Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. There's been a word that's in me just greater. And I really feel like we are entering into a season of greater. And I want you right now to prepare yourself. There's greater doors that are going to be open to you, greater opportunities, greater levels. Everyone say greater. In fact, I want you to touch three people and tell them greater things. Now, I want you to shout across to someone across the room and tell her greater things. Now, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, I just got, I, this weekend I did my first women's conference. That was, they've been inviting me for four years to come speak. And I kept saying no because I didn't want to go to Fresno in August. And finally they said, listen, we're not going to set the date of the conference until we know what weekend you're available. And I said, I have to wait for the NFL schedule to come out because I do chapel services. And so they waited until finally I had to say yes. And we went out there and told my wife, I said, what do I got to tell women? How do I tell a woman what to, how to be a good woman? I mean... So I told the ladies, don't say amen. Give me two snaps instead. So, but we, we had a great time out there. My wife spoke out there as well and did a phenomenal job. And, you know, I can preach, but, man, my wife knows how to touch hearts. And to watch her in the middle of sharing her messages, all these women are just sitting there weeping. And I'm texting her, altar call, altar call, altar call. <laughs> And she didn't have her phone with her, but uh, she just she she just had these ladies just because she knows how to touch a woman's heart. But I, I want to share with you this morning, and when I say greater things, what I'm saying to you right now is that there's going to be doors open to you that weren't open to you before. You're about to step into some arenas that you never thought that you were going to walk into. Areas that you thought were closed off to you, areas that you thought were for someone else, I want you to know that you're about to step into some arenas that you thought that's good for them, but it's not necessarily for me. Get ready. Some open doors are going to start coming your way. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Little children, you can be certain that you belong to God. I need someone to hear me this morning. You've gone through some things and you're at the point right now that you're beginning to doubt that you belong to God. You're beginning to wonder if God has abandoned you. But I want you to know that you belong to God regardless of what you've gone through, regardless of what you're facing. You belong to God. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, I belong to God. Look at your other neighbor. Tell him, you belong to God. It says you belong to God and have conquered them. Come on, somebody. You have conquered them for the one who is living in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. Come on, pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak greatness to you this morning. Now, greatness is in your genesis. Greatness is connected to your Genesis. Now, what I I mean by that, Genesis is your beginning. And from your very foundation, from the very beginning of the world, you were designed, you were fashioned, you were put together for greatness. 
Greatness is not your idea for your life. Greatness is God's idea for your life. God's the one that wired into your DNA greatness. I want you to just prophesy to yourself for a moment to say, I'm great. Now, now some of you have a, some, some religious people have a problem with that. Other people don't have, yeah, I'm great, man. I'm, I'm awesome. But religious people have a hard time with that because when they start speaking about being great, it's somehow taking glory away from God. But when a tree grows and produces the oranges that it was created for, God gets glory. When the, when the oceans wave and crash, they give glory to God because they're reflecting what they were created for. When a mountain peak shines bright, it shows forth the glory that it was created for. When you do what you were created for, you are giving God glory when you do the things that you were designed for. Come on, say it again, Pastor. You were designed for greatness. Who is in you is greater than who or what is around you. And you've heard it said, it's not the water in the ocean that sinks a ship. It's the water that gets into the ship that brings it down. And it's not the environment around you that is holding you back. It's when you allow the environment around you to become the environment inside of you. It's the things we allow. Now, we, we live in a troubled time. Our world is going through some things. Our nation is facing some things. Our world is in some crisis right now. But I don't give a rip what's going on in the world. I need you to understand is that greater is he that is in me than the environment that's happening around me. God has fashioned you and designed you with the ability to affect your environment and not allow your environment to affect you. Well, it's the home I was raised in. It's my parents. It's the color of my skin. It's a struggle. It's I'm from the east side. And what we begin to do is we begin to create, you know, well, my father, my great-grandfather was an addict, was, it, was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad was. And so I am as well. And then my kid's going to be as well. That's, that's not. And we, we blame it on curses. Well, well, the Old Testament talks about generational curses. But when I get to the New Testament, I find out there's something called when you receive Christ, you become a new creation. If you're a new creation, you have no history. So you have no generation to carry a curse from. And so the moment you walk into Christ, that curse is over and you walk now into blessing. And now you go into generational Blessing to where you're blessed, your children will be blessed, your great your grandchildren will be blessed, and your great grandchildren. I don't know about you. I want to make decisions today that bless my children and my grandchildren and my great grandchildren. I don't want them walking in the curses of my parents. I want them to walk in the blessings of my life to share with them. Somebody got to hear me this morning. You got to start making decisions today. That bring blessing to your family and not curse. So now in the book of Genesis, we see that God plants a garden. Everyone say garden. See, in Genesis 2-4, I'm going to read some scripture to you. I wasn't able to get through this in the first service. I'm going to do my best here. This is the account of the creations of the heavens and earth. When the Lord made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. What wasn't growing? 
Now, you guys are much better than first service. It took them a long time to find that. <laughs> See? So what wasn't growing? Wild plants and grains. Grains feed people. There, there's a purpose it grows. The wild plants weren't growing. Why? Because this is, it gives a reason why those things weren't growing. It says, for neither wild plants were growing on the earth, for the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and, listen to this, there were no people to what? See, I need you to want, this is a principle. Where there is no one to cultivate something, there is no growth. Where you do not cultivate, where you do not care for, what you do not administrate will not grow. And many of us in our lives, we want things to grow. That's why you single ladies, you want to get married, but you haven't developed an atmosphere or you haven't cultivated a not me first attitude. You can't have a me first attitude when you get married. You, you, gentlemen, you can't, you can't be, girl, I want to get me, I want to find me, find me a wife, but you still want to party, you still want a club, you still want to go out, and you want, you know, uh, you just want to be out there and do your thing. You got to understand, if you're going to be married, you have to recognize your spouse comes first. Amen. And so we want things, but we don't want to cultivate it. You want to have kids, but you don't want to take care of them. That's where the ladies conference, huh? <laughs> You're not going to have growth where there's not cultivation. You want to buy a house, but you ain't got a job. You, 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 want, you want a promotion at work, but you show up late and leave early. You want your business to grow, but you're not learning how to get better in the area that you work in. And so we want growth, but we don't want investment. And you, you, I don't care how great an investment is, if you don't put anything into it, you're not going to draw from it. And many of us want to return in a marriage that you haven't invested anything in. You want to return on children that you haven't spent time with. You want an investment in a church that you give nothing to. Oh, did I say that? I was just thinking that. Let's go on. Verse 6. I'm back. <laughs> Verse 6. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the land, and the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life. Come on, somebody. Everything else he spoke into being, but here he forms man and he shares his breath with them. Everyone go like this. That's not yours. Do it again. That don't belong to you. That's on loan from God. How dare you use what he gave you to curse someone else? He breathed breath of life into man's nostrils and man became a living being. You see, when God doesn't breathe on you, you might have a pulse, but you ain't got a life. That's a Twitterable moment right there. <laughs> See, I, w- I want you to understand something. God is concerned with environments. Everyone say environments. Because God doesn't create man until there's a suitable atmosphere or environment to sustain him. 
And many of us are trying to create things that there's no atmosphere to sustain it. Please, please say that again. That, that was just... You're not, you're not getting it. God is concerned with atmospheres first. The whole book of Genesis, chapter 1, God's creating an atmosphere so that man can thrive. Before you get married, create an atmosphere that your wife's going to want to come home to. Create an atmosphere. Before you have that child, create an atmosphere that those kids are going to love to be raised in. Before you start that business, create an atmosphere that other people are going to want to join into. It's all about creating an atmosphere that could sustain the very thing you want to grow. Because God doesn't want to give you something that's going to end up dying because there's no atmosphere to sustain it. It's like what I said before. You don't see palm trees in Alaska because the environment can't sustain it. God didn't create Adam until he knew that the environment was suitable for him to thrive. Now let's go on. Verse 8. Then the Lord planted a garden in Eden east. And there he placed the man he had made, and the Lord made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. What kind of trees? All sorts. I mean, God, God is, uh, this is what I love about God. He's creative. He didn't just give us an apple tree. But he gave us a Fuji apple, a red apple, a delicious apple. I mean, green apple, Granny Smith apple. I mean, God gave us all, God is into variety. Just look around. Look at all the apples in this room right now. Or coconuts, whatever you want to... Just look around this this room right now. Or just nuts. God is into variety. In fact, it's been said that there are so many different varieties of fruits that Adam and Eve could have eaten from a different tree three three times a day, from a different tree all year for over three years and never visit the same tree twice. So when they chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it wasn't a lack of choice decision. That there was a lack out there. It was a disobedient decision. We ain't got time to go there. Let's let's go on. God planted a garden. Amen? Amen? Everyone say, God planted a garden. Now, you know when God plants a garden, it's a good one. I killed my garden this year. I blew it. I blew, my dad's on his deathbed, literally on his deathbed. They, they gave him two weeks to live. And I, I, I go to the hospital, and I tell my dad, my dad's a great gardener. And I tell him, Dad, I blew it. And he looks over to me. I said, I, I took the water from the water softener, and as, it, as it's emptying, I, I saved it. And I used that water to water because last year I spent a lot of money on water to water the garden. I could have bought vegetables for what I paid for all that water. So I tried to be smart, and when I told him, I took that water and I poured it on my garden. This weak man laying in bed slapped me in the head. Not once, twice. My daughters are cracking up as if this dying man is slapping his son twice. What's wrong with you? You don't do that. (laughs) My garden just, I just, everything was so green, so lush. The next few days, it just... Gone. Just, I had to start all over again. That's, it was, I forget it. Let's go on. 
But the garden was God's idea because God doesn't want just space that's doing nothing. In fact, you read a parable that Jesus talks about, about a landowner that has a tree that's not producing fruit. He says, rip it out. It's, it's not doing anything. Get rid of it. Because land is valuable. God has everything God created, he created to reproduce. See, the garden was God's idea, and God planted plants in that garden that you couldn't get anywhere else. Okay, let me try this side. God planted plants in this garden that were not found anywhere else in the world. So let me put it to you this way. That means that if you wanted certain sweet fruits... You had to be in the garden in order to enjoy what was there. You leave the garden, you can't complain that you don't have access to the fruit. Because the fruit's there, but you have to be in the garden. But let me share something with you. They never found the Garden of Eden. They've looked, they have not been able to find and locate the Garden of Eden. They think it was somewhere in Africa. But the reality is this. The reason they couldn't find the Garden of Eden, this wasn't because of the plants. The Garden of Eden wasn't the garden because of the plants that were there, but it was because of the presence that was there. The garden wasn't about the plants. It was about the presence. It was where Adam met God. It was a place where Adam got together with God. It's where Adam walked with God, where Adam talked with God, where Adam shared with God. Your home is your garden of Eden. Your heart is your garden of Eden. You may not own a home, but your garden is wherever your heart is and wherever you welcome the presence of God becomes a garden of Eden in your life. See, God allowed things to grow in the garden that didn't grow anywhere else. There's certain things you can't grow outside of the presence of God. Oh, you got to listen to me. Because some of you, you, you're running after success. But the problem is, you're running after so much success that all you're going to have is enough money to pay off your wife when you divorce. Because the seeds you plant have to make sure that you're building the right foundation. Never sacrifice your family for your personal success. Because personal success at the expense of your family is not success at all. See, God's concerned about environments. Everything God created, he created with the capacity, ability to carry out its purpose. And share this with you. The fish didn't have to learn how to swim, it's in him. The bird, even though he learns to fly when he's knocked out, he has it in him. God didn't create the ram, the mountain goat, with soft feet because of the terrain that he has to traverse. You imagine the mountain goat going up those rocky things. Ow, 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 ah, ah, ah. God designed his feet in a manner that he could dominate his environment. Because whatever God designed something for, God gave that thing the ability to do. 
And so when we take a look at us, it's in them. Everything was in them. It's in the bird. It's in the fish. It's in the eagle. It's in the, it's in the giraffe. And everything that was created to do a certain thing already has those things hardwired in them. It's inside of them. And it is in you as well. God designed you to have dominion. What's dominion? I want you to see God's mission statement here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. I spoke about this years ago. Genesis 1, 28. Then God blessed them. Come on, somebody. Then God blessed them. You're blessed. Stop saying you're cursed. You're blessed. God ble- that was God's original design for man was to bless them. He took to bless them, to honor them, to acknowledge them. God blessed them. You're blessed right now. Tell your neighbor, I'm blessed. In fact, I want you to turn around to the person behind you. Tell them, hey, you're sitting behind a, you're sitting in front of a blessed person. <laughs> Tell the other person, you don't know who you're sitting next to. <laughs> Tell the person on the other side, you're welcome. <laughs> Genesis 1, 28. I got to close. We're not going to get through this. Genesis chapter 1, 28. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves. Dominion is what God created man for. To dominate. To administrate our resources to shift our environments and to reign over our situations. Take the resources and put them to work. Everything you need for success is there. God gave you dominion to be able to turn the resources into success. So how do we get to dominion? God gives us four things that we have to walk in. What you were create you want every have you ever said, what's my purpose in life? I need to know my purpose. Money, money is not a purpose. It's a vehicle. It's a tool. And you know what? God wants you to be maybe not rich, but he does want everyone to be wealthy. In a few weeks, we're going to start a series on poverty, wealth, and riches. We're going to talk about godly riches. We're going to talk about godly wealth. We're going to talk about how to administrate, how to rule money and not let money rule you. There's nothing wrong with having money as long as money doesn't have you. Amen? We need money. We, how else would we have the building? You need money. You need money to, to buy a house, to get food. And for those that say money's an evil thing, no, money's not evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Money itself isn't evil. So those of you that say money's evil, just give me your money. I want to set you free. Just get you away, get you away from the devil, okay? What's God's expectation for you? Be fruitful. What he says in 128 is this. He says, be fruitful. Everyone say be fruitful. fruitful. That, That word be fruitful is literally talking about this. What God is saying is this. What we're not talking about having kids, which some of you are really good at doing, okay? You're populating the world all by yourself. 
For those of you listening on podcasts, I'm looking at Cisco right now. But it's not about procreation. It's about contribution. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants you to not just be a consumer. He wants you to be a contributor. He wants you to be one that when you get to a place, that place is better because you got there. That whatever environment you walk into, you add value wherever you go. That What do people get when they get you? What does the world get when you walk in? Are you one that goes to the party always with nothing? There's a get together, or when the bill comes about, all of a sudden you get them alligator arms. What does the world get when it gets you? Are you all about nothing in creation just takes. Everything God created, he gave it to receive and to give. To receive and to give. To be fruitful. And if all you do is take and you never give and reciprocate, you're going to die. Everything God created, he created with the cycle. And we have a responsibility of being fruitful. What do people get when you walk into the business? What do people get when you walk into that relationship? What do people get when you walk into that classroom? What do people get when you came into this church? To sit and receive, but never contribute. What do we get when we get you? Come on, think about it. It's your purpose. That's why we feel good when we contribute. You ever see when there's someone in need and you help them out? Operation Christmas Child, backpacks, all that. It makes you feel good because... You're walking in your purpose. You're, 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 you're filling a need. Be fruitful. Then he says multiply. And that word multiply means to grow, to excel, to reproduce. But that multiply is this, that you should be better every day. You should be growing every day. That today as a student, I'm better today than as I was yesterday. That if you're working with DJ, that you know what? He gives me the dance routine. Every day I'm getting better at that routine. Every day I'm practicing. I'm progressing. Because you have a responsibility to multiply. To get better. To excel. Don't just take up space. You're in business selling a product. You don't even know what the product does. You're not going to, you want a promotion, but you don't want to grow. Getting a little quiet in here. You guys were laughing with me a little while ago. Number three, fill. Everyone say fill. God said, I want you to fill the earth. Remember, all he planted was the garden. The rest of the world was empty. And the plan was, Adam and Eve have a child. Come on, Will. (laughs) Have a child. He looked like daddy, don't he? And 
son gets married. Not you. Son gets married. See, you're ready, you're ready to reproduce again. Come on, bro. Stay with, stay with me, bro. Son gets married and they have a kid. Now you can come. And son gets married. And son has a kid. And son gets married. Are you following me? You two, take a step up there. Now now follow me on. This is what's going on. This is my garden. Y'all got to leave. Y'all got to... It's my garden. God's plan was for you to... You go, leave the garden and create your own garden. And your kids now go and create your own garden. And you take the seeds that you got from home and you plant them in your home and then you plant them in your garden and then you plant them in your garden and then you guys go out and we begin to take territory. Sounds like a pyramid scheme. God's the original originator of the pyramid. I want you to take what you learned here. I want you to reproduce with those seeds. And I want you to plant it along the world. And we're going to dominate the world by taking what you learned in the garden. And I want you to transform it around the world. I want you to fill the world. Transform environments. Stop reflecting what's going on. God created you as the thermostat, not the thermometer. Stop reflecting what's going on and start setting the pace in your world, in your church, in your community, in your business, in your family. The last thing that he tells them is this, is I want you to subdue. I want you to take that territory. You guys go subdue. You can subdue your seats now. Thank you. Take territory. We're going to finish this next week. Take territory. What's he talking about? You don't take territory by force in the kingdom. You take it through influence. And how do you take territory at your job? How do you subdue territory at your job? Everyone's cussing. Everyone's getting divorced. Everyone's uh, cheating on each other. Everyone's doing. You don't go in there and say, oh, you guys are wrong. You guys are all going to hell. You guys are all going to burn. According, according to Jesus, Jesus says heaven has to come to earth. And you know what? You guys are going to hell. You're going to burn. You're going to toast. By the way, Jesus loves you. You subdue territory by being excellent at what you do. If you're a carpenter... You become the best carpenter you can be. If you're a teacher, you become the best teacher you could be. Because you gain influence when you're great at something. And you gain influence 
from people around you when you're good at something. That's why I want to speak to those of you that are causing some. You got followers right now. You're doing a great thing and you know who you are. You're individuals that are building businesses. You've got people that are following you. I want to speak to you because you guys have a responsibility. What you do, your followers will do. Because just like Jesus, you are di- your disciples, you're training people. So they're not going to do what you say. They're going to emulate how you live. And so what's important to you is going to be important to them. And that's why you subdue. The reason they listen to you is because you're excellent in your area. You're you're, you're excelling in your area. And if you want to be great in anything, you want to take territory. We don't take it by preaching at people. We take it by being great in the realm that we operate in. And we use our influence to bring change. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, stop sucking. Stop sucking at your job. Stop showing up late and leaving early. Stop showing up unprepared. Stop not putting in a half effort. Give your best. Why? Because you're not doing it unto them. You're doing it unto God. You make the best cake that you can make. You get people that say... Dang, God is good. Look at that cake. That when you guys dance, that you dance in a manner that people are like, wow, God is amazing. Look at the talent he blessed him with. When you sit down with someone that's trying to get out of debt and you help them out, they're like, wow, God is amazing the way he'll break my financial bondage. Oh, you got to hear me. Get done doing someone's hair. They're like, wow, God is good. You were created to be fruitful, reproduce, to multiply, to excel, to fill, to transform, and to subdue, bring influence on the earth. I want you to stand to your feet as we close. It's not going to be a traditional altar call this morning. Wow, I apologize. I didn't realize what time it was. Listen very closely. In the Old Testament, you do not see the world being changed by religious people. Throughout the Old Testament, even in the Word of God, it's not about religious leaders. I'm not here to lead. I'm here to inspire you to lead. You're the ones in the world. You're the ones touching people. You're the ones that have influence in this world. You're the one, you'll touch more people than I will. And the people that sit in your chair. And the people that you sit across in their living room sharing. And the people that you perform. Every, you're going to, you touch more people than I ever will. The whole Old Testament was about godly statesmen and women. Talking about the Abrahams. We're talking about the Moseses, the Joshuas, the Josephs, the Noahs, the Esthers, the Ruths, the Deborahs. We're talking about the the, the Daniels, the Nehemiahs. We're talking about the the ones that are rebuilding walls. They're they're walking in governments. They're walking in in communities. They're, They're shifting nations. That's who you are. It's not us religious folk that change the world. It's you. And that's what Jesus, you take a look at Jesus' team. 
Everyone he called, not one religious person among them. He called businessmen. You ready, Peter? You ready, James? You ready, John? God chose disciples, men, businessmen to carry his message and to change the world. Change doesn't happen here. It happens outside these doors. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.